it's all this ego inflated who's got the biggest dick like king trojan horse like galloping giant man with oily chest if we schedule in a get down call and we start accidentally talking about you know whatever happened on batchy last week then we're like oh hang on a hang on a second <laughs> we've strayed <laughs> when the pandemic hit my partner was an airline pilot and I was on maternity leave and we were like, oh, fuck, like we're going to have no money. So the most logical thing to do, of course, was enter us all on a game show. Welcome to Add to Cart, Australia's leading e-commerce podcast that express delivers all you need to know in the fast-moving world of online retail. Every week, Nathan Bush from eSuite and an e-commerce industry expert will share the news research and insights that you need to know to keep you at the top of your game and of course keep your customers adding to cart hello and welcome to add to cart my name is nathan bush host of add to cart and director at e-commerce talent agency e-suite Now, it might surprise you to learn, it certainly did me, that 41% of people who shop for condoms are women. And yet, I don't think I've ever seen condom packaging that doesn't look like it belongs in a testosterone-fueled, epic, hero-style fantasy. Enter my guest today. Intent on disrupting this space, old friends Kat Henselak and Nicola Omenston founded Get Down selling sustainable, super stylish condoms and promoting women's sexual wellness and not an oily chest in sight. In this chat, the duo share their formula for writing spot-on brand copy, how they navigate running a business together and being best friends, and this is an absolute cracker, the unbelievable story of how Eddie Maguire ended up funding their condom business. And if you make it to the climax... I could not resist. There'll be a discount code to use at getdown.com.au. So don't miss that at the end of the episode. So thanks to our partners, Shopify Plus and Paclio, here's our conversation with Kat Henselak and Nicola Omenston from Get Down. Kat and Nicola, welcome to Add to Cart. Hello. Lovely to meet you. Hi. So like, so everyone knows who's who. Kat, can I get a hello from you? Hello, I'm Kat. Nice to meet you all. <laughs> I love how you're doing a hand wave and this is an yeah. audio podcast, but that's great. Uh, and Nicola. <laughs> hi, hi, I'm Nicola. I'm the one with the strange accent in the background. <laughs> and up at six o'clock in the morning. Thank you very much to do the podcast. Oh, I am in Kilkenny in the southeast of Ireland and I've got up very early to join you, Nathan. <laughs> so I'm um, super excited to be here. How good, how good. Kat and Nicola, we are here to talk about Get Down, and it's not a new movie coming out in the cinema. It's a brand that you guys have up and running. Can you tell us what Get Down is? Absolutely. Well, I guess I hope that you are all not listening to this podcast at work because we're definitely going to start talking about sex and all the thing, fun things that come with it. But Get Down is an embarrassment-free, sustainable sexual wellness care brand, and basically we're trying to make protected sex sexy again. Yeah, great. And if you've got kids in the car, this is a great chance to teach them about the birds and the bees, right? Absolutely. Just we, press um, play and go. 
Yeah, like Mikla and I, we weirdly started this brand when we were both pregnant because there's nothing more sexy and, you know, there's nothing more that makes you want protected sex than when you're pregnant. Um, and Mikla and I both both had daughters about a month apart from each other and Mikla's actually pregnant now. So I don't know if that's a good thing for our brand or not. I don't, you're fired as our influencer, Nick. So. Honestly, it, it's interesting marketing and running a condom company and a sexual health company when you are six months pregnant because you do have to hide it on camera. <laughs> but... <laughs> And you're like, oh, I promise you, they didn't fail. They didn't fail. <laughs> exactly. This was a choice. This was a that's, choice, guys. That's why we only let her on podcasts because no one can see that she's pregnant. So like, you only <laughs> like neck up. Yeah, but we're all about empowering women to take charge of anything risky whilst getting frisky is our kind of tagline. So whatever that entails and whatever that means to a different women, we're here to kind of break down those taboos and make make protected sex sexy again. Right. And you've both got different backgrounds and we might start there before we go further into Get Down because I love it. And if you are listening and you're in front of a computer, make sure you go to getdown.com.au because I think having the website in front of you while you're listening will give you a better idea of what we're talking about because the branding is just amazing. Kat, if I can start with you, your journey, you've had a crazy couple of months. You were part of the Shopify team, which were impacted recently. And you've had a long career in e-commerce with brands like Patagonia and Frank. Can you tell us how the last couple of months have been for you? Absolutely. Well, Shopify is such an incredible like commerce tool. And I was so lucky and privileged to be able to work there because it's almost like being able to, it's like people that go to Harvard. Like once you say that you've worked at Shopify, you just learn so much and their onboarding process is so comprehensive that having the ability to go in there and see what hundreds of merchants do at scale at all different sizes, the problems that they have, it's so interesting that like the $1 million merchants versus the $200 merchants all seem to have very similar problems. <laughs> and those that you expect to have that stuff like sorted out generally don't. So it's incredible to have had that learning experience. Obviously devastating to be part of the 10%, but then also not so devastating to get a redundancy, being able to have a bag of money, go to Asia, go do some traveling, and then just be able to jump into this project, which I've been passionate about and haven't had the time to do before. So nothing like an old redundancy to, you know, spend more time into your side hustle. Silver linings. And Nicola, I understand you've got more of a health background? Yeah, slightly. So I actually, my kind of background in education was in like kind of science and physiology. So I've always been like passionate about learning a bit more about the body. But then I've also um, worked at one of the fastest growing UK startups. Oh, you know, I was the third person in the company and now we're, we're a company of 30 or so. And being able to be part of that journey. And as anyone who, who knows who's worked in a startup, you join in every aspect of the company. It's customer service, operations, marketing, product development, every single piece. So I went through that journey and just became so passionate about then elevating a brand from the bottom up. And that's really the experience that I've then taken to get down. It's like all the bits that actually gets you to even having a website, dealing with suppliers, all the horrible bits that people don't think of the exciting parts of a brand. So me and Kat have kind of balanced each other out quite nicely. She's come with a lot of the strategy and a lot of the knowledge. And then I'm kind of inserting it at different points (laughs) according to my journey. So it's been a really good pairing. 
Nicola gets shit done. Like I'm definitely the ideas gal and just think of some really, all the silly fun things. And then Nicola will be like, Kat, you cannot spend that money that, you know, this is how we're practically <laughs> going to implement it. So I, know, I have to say boring things like we need to do our accounts. <laughs> she's definitely my husband. <laughs> I can see how this goes. Cause Kat, you're up late. Nicola, you're an early riser. So Kat must be up late at night thinking up all these crazy ideas. Off they go into a chat or an email and then Nicola wake up in the morning, check the inbox and go, Oh shit, Kat's been up again. <laughs> <laughs> That is exactly what happens every day. Exactly. <laughs> every single day I wake up and look at my phone and think, what? <laughs> <laughs> so how did you guys meet? So we're besties. I used to date a guy who was her partner's best friend and then we met each other and we fell in love and then Nicola and I just become bound to life. And then when I had this crazy idea that no one else really wanted to listen to, I don't know if Nicola just felt obliged, but, yeah, she was on board and was <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're basically we say we're each other's wives and our partners and uh, husbands just have to manage that so and um, it's been really good actually it's an interesting balancing act having like separate whatsapp chats for like bestie stuff versus like get down only and keeping that separation has actually been key for us I think and it's, it's definitely uh, run into each other every so often but yeah it's been good you know a lot of the time they say you know beware of going into business with like any really good friends but it's worked so well for us we've been quite strict been quite strict with it what do you mean by strict just like that doesn't belong in this channel put it in there put it in slack when we're talking about if we schedule in a get down call and we start accidentally talking about whatever happened on batchy last week then we're like oh hang on a second we've strayed (laughs) yeah Yeah. okay we can talk about batchy later Mustard made make lockers. Get that? Mustard made made lockers. Mustard made make lockers. Mustard made make lockers. But these aren't your typical old sandwich in the back Pam Anderson poster on the inside lockers. These are beautiful, bright lockers that are in demand all over the world. So in demand that when Mustard Made went to expand from the AU and UK into the US, they needed a platform that would handle the expansion. And down the hallway, skates Shopify Plus. Mustard Made implemented Shopify Plus in just two weeks, including a new wishlist feature, upsell features in cart, and personalized product recommendations. The result was a successful US launch and an increase in average order value of 15%. That takes them straight to the top of the class. To read more of Mustard Made's story and see other case studies, visit the customer sections on shopify.com.au forward slash plus. So there's one thing to have an idea around reinventing sexual wellness. Another thing to go, yeah, I reckon we can bite this off and we can like actually go for it, make a mark in this space. When or how did the idea go from an idea to something that you went, yeah, we're going to go in this together and start this brand. It really came to be like it was, we were both in Italy. We went on this road trip in Prosecco because that's where all good things happen. And we're actually staying in a castle and drink, I guess, one too many glasses of Prosecco. That's where all good ideas happen, really. And they were just talking about complaining about problems that we had in our, you know, younger days and in our twenties and having younger sisters as well. Like, 
this is a problem. Like the gripe that we have with the condom industry is that you walk down the aisle and there's not one packet that is marketed towards women. It's all this ego inflated, who's got the biggest dick, like king Trojan horse, like galloping giant man with oily chest. And you're like, how the fuck? do you think that I want to buy this? So even though in the market, you know, almost half of the market are women, it's like, well, how many of these are stolen? Because I know that as a teenage girl, there's no way that I'd want to buy some creepy oily man that said king size penis just for you. And you're like, okay, like there's a problem in this industry because these ego inflated brand names and the way that they market their product and their sizing is just confusing for women. And that to us was an opportunity. Yeah. I think a lot of people might be surprised that 50% of the market buying condoms is women. It's actually 41%. And that really surprised us as well. It's specific to Australia. It's 41% of women purchasing condoms. And there are maybe like two or 3% of the condom brands out there in the whole global market that actually target women. Women are just craving like a simple premium experience that isn't overwhelming. So I guess what made us really passionate when we were like drinking that fifth glass of Prosecco was that we were talking about how like as teenagers, I remember being 17 years old and being like, you know, I'm, I'm going to go and buy my, con- I'm going to go and buy condoms, to protect my own sexual health as women should totally feel entitled and enabled to do. And you'd go in, you'd be like, how quickly can I try and read all the information on the back of the condoms to know which one to buy without anyone seeing me? And there's so much stuff on there that's just about like nothing to do with what works for women. And then you put it in your basket and then quickly cover it up with like shampoo and like, you know, a loofah and like some makeup so people can't see that you're buying condoms because, you know, God forbid. So it was just that. It was like everything makes it harder for women to buy condoms, whether it's the packaging, the retail experience, or the actual opening experience itself. So we just got more and more angry about it, basically, about how it's so much easier for men to protect themselves, but women have to go to much more extreme lengths. Also, who wants chlamydia? Like, at the moment, like, I don't. I thought you were, like, putting it out there as an offer. Do you want chlamydia? (laughs) No. Australian STI rates have been raising. Like, Australian STI rates have been raising at this like alarming rate. It's like in the past decade, chlamydia cases have increased by forty three percent, and gonorrhea cases have doubled annually, and syphilis cases have tripled. So, like, and we've been in lockdown. Yeah, like, well, because how have people been doing? If you've been locked inside, you're either having fun or doing jigsaw puzzles. So, um, (laughs) like, sorry, it's just. So crazy. And chlamydia is a leading cause of infertility in women. And we're like, so many people don't build this. So even if we don't sell a whole bunch of condoms online or whatever happens in the end, for us, success is just merely changing the taboo around and creating a brand. It's like, hey, we just want to educate you that although there is this social stigma of women are like, hey, I'm, I have an IUD or I'm on the pill, so I'm not pregnant. You're like, cool, but you've got the clap. Like you've got syphilis. You've got all these other STIs and no one seems to be worried about that because they're so worried about like pregnancy to them is like the worst thing that could possibly happen. And you're like, well, actually, like there's so much worse and we want to educate you about these things and give you a simple solution to it that's easy to put in your handbag and doesn't have creepy, oily men all over it. <laughs> Creepy oily men. I I did like as a little side note, 
I loved some of the research. I, this was probably the funnest episode to research because there was so much great content and I learned a lot as we were going. But one of the amazing facts that I read on your website is that there's only 1.1 centimeter difference between small and king size condoms. I don't know if you've seen that video of Jessica Fox. She was this Olympic kayaker and she her kayak broke at the Olympics and she just whipped out this condom out of her pocket and then she starts stretching it out over the top of the kayak and men were just like, oh, shit, like we're never going to be able to say it's too small ever again. Because if so, we figured out like this fact actually stemmed from when looking at our suppliers' sheets of the size differences. They were like extra, extra small, like extra, extra large. And we were like, wait a minute, like, and then we started looking at all the suppliers and we're like, oh my God, like these sizes, of course, there's difference in what is comfortable and what is preferable to the men, but condoms stretch, like they're latex. That's what latex does. That's what they do. They stretch. So like we kind of say to all of the listeners at home, if you've got a condom or you don't, you can order one at getdown.com.au. And then if you don't want to put it on your wingers, you can then put it over your leg or your arm and experiment because I bet you it's going to fit. <laughs> so- or if you go kayaking, just keep one handy. <laughs> yeah, just in case. Yeah, just keep it in your back pocket for emergencies. <laughs> I feel the whole world has been a lie with that, that little fact revealed. So... When we've gone to that point, so how do you then go, okay, great, big idea, we'll start with condoms. Where do you start to go, yes, we can make an impact and we can have cut through with this? That's a tricky one. I mean, I guess the first thing we did was like ask, we sent out like a bit of a survey to every woman we knew and ask kind of what all the pain points were for them just to kind of validate our own experiences and make sure it wasn't something that was just our own personal gripe and to make sure that there was a gap in the market there. So we sent out, you know, some decent surveys and got back a lot of kind of USPs from people that they were looking for, where the pain point and sticking points really were that really enabled us to think, okay, if we were to create this brand and create this product and really go down the condom line, what pain point are we relieving? What solution are we are we solving? And that became really clear, yeah. It was interesting because like when assessing the gap, we saw this and this maybe perhaps came from my background when working at Patagonia. I've definitely seen how sustainability is just and what true sustainability is, not just greenwashing and what that means to our consumer. There is no leader in sustainability and ethical condoms. And so we definitely saw a gap there, like especially Gen Z and millennials are leading society and demanding premium products. With an ethical and eco-friendly supply chain, we were like, okay, there's an opportunity to storytell what that means and how condoms are made. A lot of people don't know, like, how is rubber made? Well, it's kind of tapped out of a tree, which a lot of people don't realise. I didn't realise that. Uh, so, yeah, so rubber's tapped out of a tree and it's like, cool, well, who taps the rubber out of a tree? And you're like, these farmers who are tapping rubber out of trees and it is quite awful like if you start researching like how is rubber produced and the conditions that these rubber workers that in hot climates a lot of child labor slave labor in places like asian countries parts of africa that are you know unethically sourcing this rubber and then selling it to large companies we're like okay like we don't want the whole total supply chain needs to be considered when producing our product from not only the raw material which a lot of people dismiss they're like cool i'm using premium fair you know ethical papers and forestry certified paper like that's great but if your raw materials are complete rubbish then like 
I don't believe that your supply chain needs to be 100% perfect, but at least be honest in your storytelling about what you're trying to do and what you're getting better at. So you'll notice that in our copy, we're like, we're definitely not perfect because with two people running a company and the budget we have, we cannot have the most ethical company on the planet, but God will try and we'll do everything that we can and tell people what we're doing and trying to educate people if they ask. And I think that's really interesting, the word you use there around story, because for a lot of the condom brands that are on the shelf at the moment, I feel the experience from a branding perspective is probably similar to that of a lot of their customers. It's like, just quick, get it up there. Don't tell too much of a story. Don't make too much noise. It's means to an end. Just get it happening. Whereas you have actually created a beautiful brand and it looks like a, a great community as well around Get Down, which isn't just a product-led business. It's about sexual wellness. How did you develop and how did you get that brand started and land on that brand identity? Well, this is an interesting one because like when we look at the brand, we just see ourselves all over it. Like it's because we write the copy and we kind of pick the images and we literally be like, if this makes us laugh or we like it, then it's going in. So for us, it was just about being really authentic and being about ourselves. So it's what we think and what we do and how we would say it. So we're never trying to match like a message that we've kind of predetermined between ourselves. And I guess because we're besties as well, we have that similar approach to the way that we think. And I feel like consumers are way more savvy now. They don't want to be like sold to by this kind of perfect looking, really super oily man. Uh, kind of oily man. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I was trying to avoid saying oily man, but really that's what I was And you just need it. They just want to see an authentic person, authentic brand. So it's not actually hard for us to get the stuff up there and for it to be really consistent across all of our channels. It's a bit of work, but other than that, we just enjoy it. Like we have no choice in being authentic and selling the way that we do because we literally are in the most restricted category on the planet. Like with Facebook or Meta being owned by an American company and then TikTok in China, like you can imagine the kind of restrictions that we face trying to sell sexy things on the internet. Like we couldn't have made things more difficult for ourselves, technically speaking, if we tried. Like I don't know why we decided to sell condoms instead of underwear or skincare. Like, my gosh, like, boy, did we pick a hurdle. What that means to us is, like, when competitors come on the market, like, I praise them. Like, my God, if they got to where they are, congratulations. Because if you want to start a condom brand, it is so difficult. And if you try to sell it digitally, you have no choice but to do the hard work in branding and storytelling because acquisition isn't easy for anyone right now, but it's really hard if you've got a hard category. So how do you get around that when you've got such barriers like Facebook, Insta, TikTok? There's definitely tactics that you can use. Like for those who haven't used something like Linkbee before, we had a mentor, Olivia Carr. She started Shush Silk. We actually won at the start of our journey. We've won a couple of things. But my when the pandemic hit, my partner was an airline pilot and I was on maternity leave and we were like, oh, fuck, like we're going to have no money. So the most logical thing to do, of course, was enter us all on a game show. And, <laughs> and so we all went on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I won fastest finger first, but I only won $1,000 and then Eddie stole it back off me. But Tom won a hundred grand. So What? Yeah. <laughs> so that was amazing. So thank you, Eddie McGuire. He probably unknowingly then has funded a condom brand. <laughs> <laughs> and then, You've so got to make a condom called the Eddie. 
the Eddie? So, oi, maybe like Oily Eddie would be Oily Eddie. <laughs> Can I go back to the 100 grand? What was the final question and how nervous were you at that time? So I, I, we were both, because it was the middle of COVID, we were living in this like apartment in the Docklands and we're like, if you live in Melbourne, like go and sign up to Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Like people are chasing all these like investors. You dummies, what are you doing? If you want a technical <laughs> way to make money, you've got a one in six chance of winning Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Have you not watched the show? And so we're like, okay, we've, I just put the whole family on there. Tom, my partner, was the only one who won anything. Good on you, Tom. And like the last question was, which country was King Kamahamaha from? The choices are Samoa, Japan, Hawaii, or some other random Pacific island. Yeah. Bushy, what would you choose? Oh, God. I feel the pressure and I'm not up for anything. Samoa? No. Well, he almost went with Samoa, but luckily he went back to Hawaii and then he won the 100K. Wow. so that and did he us. know that or was it a guess? Tom is like a, because he's an airline pilot, he's very logical. He's not like me at all. And so he just kind of just methodically worked through like five or six questions and was like, I'm going to work this out because I'm a pilot and my pilot brain is like, this is what makes the most sense. <laughs> and then he was able to get it. But yeah, that definitely helped us with funding at the start. So, so yeah, if you guys need some cash, go on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire or just try weird, crazy shit to make money. That's, I don't even know how we got here. Like, this is the weirdest tangent we've ever had on Ad to Come. I love it. I love but every I'll second how we got it. here is you're talking about. So we then, we had this founder, Olivia Carr. So we won this money and then we also won money through Olivia Carr. She had this incredible incentive. She's like, you can win $5,000 to get your business start up if you're affected by the pandemic and we were two pregnant lasses inside. And it's like, if you can find competitions like that, like whether it's $5,000 through competitions or a hundred grand through a game show, like just look at creative ways to make money so that you don't have to give your part of your soul and your brand away to big investors. Yeah. And also we had like amazing mentorship from Olivia as well. Along with getting some of the funds, we also were able to like ask her really key questions that could make or break a brand at the beginning. And she put us in contact with a few different people and just really got us started down the road of how to create a successful brand coming from someone who's just done it. So that was just like completely invaluable. So it was great. And there's so many of them out there as well. It's good. So many competitions. It's not like you're, you guys are coming into the industry fresh though because, Kat, you've obviously got a great history there with Patagonia and Frank and Shopify. Where were the gaps for you? Where were you kind of, to put it in like the easiest terms, where were you shitting yourself when you are starting this? I guess with all those brands, what the consistency between like Patagonia and Frank Body is definitely storytelling. So I'm really comfortable in that space of how can you authentically get your brand story across? Like how can you lean into feedback, listen to your customers and see what they want? Whereas less confident is definitely from an operational perspective, like the negotiations with logistics suppliers, like how do you get your product like even just thinking of a product, we thought of the brand really before we were thinking of the product and how we wanted to communicate tone of voice, colors and all that branding side. But when it comes to the operations, actually getting the goods, trying to negotiate with suppliers, that's where, and even PR for us is definitely, I don't like, sales to me is hard. I like, I, it's not my, not my area at all and putting my neck on the line to go talk in front of people. So having that confident boost in that space, like I need it. 
You've refreshed your website, the new range is about to drop, you've never had more customer service options. Hey, but take a look over there at that boring pile of packaging boxes. Ugh, ugly. Time to give that some love. Luckily, Packlio is here to bring some joy to your customer's delivery and unboxing experience. It's been ignored for way too long. With vibrant colors, cool designs, and eco-friendly credentials, there are no more excuses for boring boxes. Even better, Packlio is Australian-owned and operated with same-day dispatch and 14-day returns. There's nothing boring about that. Check out the Packlio range of e-commerce packaging options at packlio.com. That's Packlio, P-A-C-K-L-E-O, Packlio.com. Do you find that you're a natural salesperson, though, without being a salesperson? She 100% is, and she doesn't know it. As she was just saying that, I was like, Kat. I just talk so much shit that like I'd be terrible you're like just you weren't meant to talk about that you're meant to be selling light bulbs not this <laughs> no but I think people buy into that honesty as well like that's part of it as well and I think we are seeing a whole you know I probably put myself in that realm as well as like I always fought against being a salesperson but in the end it's what I do but not in a tradi- traditional way, like similar to you guys is going out there and having a message, having something you're passionate about and sharing your story that can help others. That's definitely the way the whole industry is going, e-commerce, that and the consumer base and markets and audiences don't want to be hard sold to. They want to hear from people who are actually selling something that they're passionate about, which is great because then we can really lean into that rather than, you know, the kind of really strongly influencer led and clearly kind of paid for commission-based structure and um, that people are, you know, just wised up to now all over social media. Yeah. Tricky though, because if you want to sell a product that isn't necessarily like, you know, we are in our 30s. I always have to ask Tom every year how old I am because I genuinely <laughs> forget. I have to be like, but... <laughs> so, but do, you him, do you give him four options? <laughs> no, he knows. 50-50 chance. 50-50 chance. It's interesting. Like my boss that I had at Shopify was this amazing guy, Gideon Banks, and he was an absolute legend. He recommended for me to read a book that I feel like everyone should read. It's the How to, what is it? How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yep. And it seems like this really dated old book, but the one thing that I took out of that book is definitely when you're fishing for something, like what kind of worm do other people want? Like don't necessarily try and sell people what you would like to be, like I guess what you want. Always consider when talking to people what you're trying to sell to the consumer, like what worm do they want? What is their worm? And so... (laughs) Very appropriate when talking about condoms. I know. So good. <laughs> <laughs> Oily worms. <laughs> Oily worms. <laughs> I want to just quickly go back to the brand and the copywriting because I think it is so exceptional and love to dig in a little bit deeper. So you've got smart copy all through the website, Nicola. You referenced it before when you said you just write what you want. But like... To give the listeners just a little bit of a preview, my favorite line in there was when you had the call to action for the email sign-up. Email sign-ups are pretty generic, right? But your line there is, don't lie there like a starfish. <laughs> sign up today. Um, and I don't think you're going to say sign up today. That'd be too generic for you. But And then when you've got your values listed, it was like, fuck each other, not the planet. Another one of my favorite lines. And... I know that you put it down to that you just 
right what you believe in and is part of your personality. But it takes effort to put creativity into everything. Like those two examples there, they could be very generic statements and probably be a lot quicker to do than to write what you have written, right? And how do you keep that consistency across all your channels and touch points? That's a good question about consistency. I mean, both those phrases came out of like late night or early morning Zoom calls between Kat and I, where we're just like, almost like, I think we're both a little bit stupid. So like when we're reading like other people, <laughs> other people's websites, they're like, so what is the actual thing that they're trying to say? And we're like, okay, so basically they're just saying this. And then we say it as if we're in a conversation. And one of us is like, I'll type that down. And we write that and then it just ends up in the copy. So it's literally from one of us is usually either on coffee or a glass of wine. And we just type each other's sentences constantly. So it's as if you're hearing someone say it. The starfish line is definitely cats. (laughs) 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 That's cat written all over it. But yeah, so we write what each other other says as we're explaining things to each other about what we're trying to get across in the most stupid way possible. Yeah, and we feel I, like it reads better to a consumer because you hear someone saying it. Yeah, yeah, you definitely do. And I think it's the opposite of stupid. But I think I found the secret in there is like one has to be on wine, one has to be on coffee to, to keep the balance <laughs> right. I'd love to see. Can you yeah. rewrite your website when you're both on Prosecco? Yeah, look, I don't that know. Was what would be, that would be disastrous. Like my spelling is not amazing. Generally, I think of some punchy, silly line and then Nicola try and make it grammatically correct. I think my experience at Frank Body is all about copy. So seeing how copy accompanied with good, you know, imagery was definitely good, great learnings. And same with Patagonia. Like, again, it come, good copy comes to storytelling and what is that copy accompanying and just really thinking about the user journey is so experienced. Like, it's just so, so important. Like, you see so many generic, like, 10% off for this. You're like, no, like, just... I don't know, make them laugh. If you can't give them a good deal, which like 10% off everyone does and, you know, we just know that's what the consumer expects. But if you can make them laugh as well, like that's a bonus. Yeah. 100%. That's exactly what I was going to say. Um, go with emotions. Like we feel like everyone should read something on our site and there should be an emotion that it creates in that person or you can hear the emotion in our voice as we're writing it, whether that's like funny or angry or... I spent way too long reading stuff on your website, way too long. And your blogs are incredible. And it kind of reminded me of Ashley, who we had on a few weeks ago, who's got the diabetes kit and started as a community around how can she change stigma around diabetes, especially for young people and the impact that it has on lives. It struck me as obviously very different tones, but very similar approaches to create a community and create lots of content where we raise this and go, this is actually a problem. Let's talk about this openly and honestly. How do you develop all that content? And is there have you got a bunch of different writers who contribute into the, those articles? Not yet. Like, and that's probably where at the moment there's so much opportunity for us. Like, you know, when resource is so interesting that when you're a startup and you're like, who is going to do what? We're both two mums on either side of the planet with little crossover. We literally have an hour a day. And so that has been such an interesting flow of trying to work out who writes what. We definitely have gone through and as anyone can do, if you need content at scale, we went and experimented, we went on Upwork and these other things were like, okay, we needed an article written like this. But what we found and definitely some of our learnings is the tone of voice was so off. Also culturally, how you, you know, 
you'd find that we might have someone like a lady in India writing an article about, you know, sex way, six ways to do this. And it just didn't hit the mark because of different barriers and different, you know, perceptions of sex across the world um, and everything that ethically comes with it. What's the norm in those countries? And we're really aware the area that we have and the privilege that we have being women in Australia and Ireland, but you definitely don't have that privilege. And it's really an interesting lesson for us. It's like, okay, going on to Upwork and trying to get content written for us in a cheap way. We had that done. We found that we just have to rewrite it all ourselves because it was just so off or just didn't hit, it wasn't authentic. It just felt like if you're punching out blog posts just to punch out blog posts, then you're missing the mark. You may as well just write one a month, then one a week if it's just going to be complete crap or not resonate with your audience. Great advice. And I guess to add to that, it was also just about a lot of the writers that we would find would be like, okay, what um, SEO keywords are we targeting? And they would really focus it around that. And we would end up with this kind of fairly boring and bland article that technically would rank well for SEO, but no one actually enjoys reading it. And we thought, why, what's the point of putting up? It's just fluff to try and get traffic. And again, as part of that authenticity, we're like trying to avoid that. Obviously, you need to lean into SEO and, and a little bit, but I think definitely e-commerce moving away from that being the main thing and it needs to be a lot more kind of wanted content which we were able to answer kind of what's wanted what are people interested in just using social media like it's all over it's all over social media if you actually look for it like the questions people are asking and what people are engaging in so we tried to lean into that bit a little bit more where do you do your research online everywhere you should see my google history (laughs) it's very suspicious (laughs) We definitely do it in an incognito tab and not on our work computers. We definitely have separation of state and church. There's no bloody way that I would have had a job as long as I did at Shopify if I was researching the shit that I needed to. Like some of the samples I don't have because I live in the middle of the bush. We don't have post boxes here, so we have to go to the post office to collect all of our mail. And I get so scared that like... That one day, like some sample box will open, and then like poor old Lynn at the post office will then all of a sudden be like, "Oh, like, what is this?" <laughs> <You're> <laughs> <covered> <laughs> born. <laughs> Do you know what? As a slight tangent, I actually had to send Kat some like some of the samples I have here in Ireland, like with like different packaging and stuff. And um, so I went down to the local like little Irish post office, and um, because obviously because of customs, they have to write on the customs. What is it? And the post office was like quite busy but very quiet. The woman was like, "And what's in here?" And I was like, "Condoms." <laughs> and, like, like you could see a look up and she went, oh, "Grand." <laughs> <laughs> and, the rest of, and then she was like and what's the value and I was like I was like a hundred euro or something like that people in the queue must have been thinking how many condoms are in there <laughs> <laughs> and who are you sending it to <laughs> I could feel the eyes watching me as I left it was so funny and Especially I was like obviously, obviously pregnant yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny So good. Now, speaking of samples and products, you've obviously got a limited range at the moment. What's next from a product perspective? I think with our experience, like where we've gone now and diving into the world of Gen Z, it wasn't a space that, honestly, my experience was is like Nicola and I on TikTok just 
we don't feel like our authentic selves sometimes. So Nicola, you know what, Nicola's the TikTok queen out of both of us. I'm like, I hate it. I hate making TikToks. But we were like, how can we, there's so much opportunities when it comes to the taboo around sex is we don't just want to talk to those who want to protect themselves, but how can we help couples have better conversations between them? And how can people have better sex? I think it's hard for people to communicate. Like I would argue that one of the biggest problems that any couple has this communication or expectations and we're like our next line of products is definitely we're going to lean into we're creating a game at the moment that basically means that the couples can have better communication better sex and just have better experiences with each other because jigsaw puzzles over covid has got a little bit boring and we're like at the moment it's quite fun Nicola and I are in the midst of kind of working on some products in that space to basically help, yeah, help couples have better conversations and better sex. Amazing. That sounds exciting. You must be just, just have so many ideas though, so many opportunities ahead of you picking the right one from both like an acquisition perspective, but also an expansion perspective it must be really hard. Well, the way that we did that is we're like, okay, so the biggest thing that I noticed when working at Shopify is the issue that a lot of these brands, whether they're big, big, big kind of, you know, multi kind of, you know, million dollar apparel brand or just starting off is resource. It's so interesting that people don't tend to evaluate their staff internally or their pricing. It seems to be like a... I don't know what it is, but they're like, okay, here's the price of our product. We're just going to keep it like that forever. And these are the staff that we have. We're not going to evaluate their roles or change them. We're just, as we grow, we'll just keep them as it is. So Nicola and I have recognized, like Nicola's pregnant at the moment. So she probably needs some time to bring up her wee band, like as they grow up. And then for me, I'm like, okay, what's my journey going to look like in the next couple of years? So we're like, okay, we need another one of us and we need someone to come in with an additional skill. So we've recently had another business partner, Paris, join us. And her background is she's a psychologist. She is incredible when it comes to thinking about communication and connection. And I feel like she'll be really complimentary to us. So I guess when looking at how we're going to acquire new customers, for us, that came down to internal resource and bringing on another partner to our brand that can help us target an industry that we're really interested in and help us see a different perspective not having that e-commerce automation geeky brandy side and think of it from a more holistic, like actually get into the head of our customers' perspective. Oh, that's exciting. Very cool. All right. So I think we've answered this, but I'm going to ask it again. If What's the one thing you're focused on next for yourselves? So I'm probably more interested in your own, your own journeys right now because you're at different stages. Um, what's next for yourselves? What's in the crosshairs? I think for both of us, it's making Get Down no longer a side project or a side hustle. And one of our main jobs is like, we're both very diligent working towards that goal. And I mean, yeah, it's slightly different for me because obviously I'm going to have to take, like, let's say two weeks out while I have a baby. <laughs> two weeks. I'm a man. It's American. Oh, yeah. It doesn't take it's that America, long. Nicola. You're in America. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, see, I seem to remember when we had our babies last time, we kind of took about two weeks off and then we're like, well, I'm up in the middle of the night. Sure, I might as well be doing something <laughs> on my phone. So, so. The copy's about to get a lot more crazy, right? Oh, you'll probably see the switch on our website be like, Nicola wrote that. Yeah. <laughs> when she was sleep deprived and up at 3 a.m. But yeah, so I mean, that's the main focus for me, I guess, is just moving as fast as we can towards that and doing everything in our power to achieve it. How will you know when it's no longer a side project? 
I feel like it's when we can start like paying for ourselves. <laughs> I feel like, you know, that when you can think of a wage that, again, from Patagonia days and also the lesson learned over the pandemic is people just live simply. Don't buy houses that you cannot afford. Don't buy shit that you can't afford. Because when my partner two years ago lost his job and lost everything, we're fucking lucky that we he won a game show, but not everyone does that. That's not normal. But like, and then the day that he got his license back and started flying jets again, I lost my job. Fortunately, like there's other things that we can do to kind of spin plates and make a living. But I guess for us, it's like, okay, how can we make an income? And also how can we start to reach some of our broader mission goals? Like for us, when it, it'll become more than a side hustle for us. And it's like when we can start creating, like working towards some of our impactful goals around sustainability, like working towards women organizations, like some of the causes that we part of the money when you purchase these condoms go towards we'd love to be more active in those because we genuinely believe in those causes we hate that we have this privilege in the countries that we live in and not every woman does like the condom thing actually stemmed from when ages years and years ago i was working as a teacher in africa in tanzania um, and while i was there i was staying with some nurses some norwegian nurses and they were going around soccer pitches telling different communities and young teenagers about condoms and trying to convince them that they're not evil um, and they don't give you AIDS because that was the, the belief in some of the communities. And that's a privilege that we have and not everyone else in the world does. So I guess success to us looks like not that we're going to solve that problem like no one has to date, but if you can make a dent in changing taboo in whether that's some kind of minority or someone who's you know doesn't have the privilege that we do, like that would be success to me and being able to, I guess, live where we do, I think would be good. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I feel like we've covered so much ground today. I've loved our chat. If people actually just want to go out and get some get down condoms, where do they go? You can get down at getdown.com.au. Yes, visit us online. And if you are feeling that you are wanting to, you know, you can put in the code BUSH20. So just Best code ever. <laughs> just if you, you know, those after hours bushy, you're just thinking of bushy after hours, then just remember, ooh, bushy 20, and then you can get 20% off your entire order. You can have 500 condoms and get bush 20. There you go. Thank me later when you get- <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. I'm sure we'll have plenty of people redeeming their bush 20 at getdown.com.au. Kat, Nicola, thank you so much for joining us on Add to Cart. Thank you. It's been great. Thank you so much. Okay, as promised, there is a discount code for Add to Cart listeners, but I have to apologize in advance for what you have to type to get it. If you want 20% off your order at Get Down, enter the code BUSH20. Yes, apologies. BUSH20 at getdown.com.au. All right, there were some cracking stories in there and lots of laughs but also some gems of advice. Here are my top three. Number one, write for your audience, not for the bots. It was really interesting when I asked Kat and Nick about how they developed their brand. There was no real answer. And that's because they just wrote what they like writing and they wrote what they think would be interesting to read. It's not rocket science, right? But it's resonating with their customers. It might mean that they don't pump out hundreds of articles like they could if they used Upwork, or rank highly on obscure long-tail keywords, but they're building a devoted audience by being themselves and being interesting. 
Number two, separating work and play. We know how hard it is to separate work and life in any job, but separating work and play is extra hard when you're building a business with your best friend. Tangents, stories, distractions, they will all be welcome distractions. Kat and Nick did a great thing by setting up boundaries and agreeing to channels for communication so they can get their work done and then watch Batchy and drink Prosecco. Number three, when the chips are down, sign up for a game show. Well, no, that's not exactly the advice, but I love the idea and the spirit behind it. When Kat was pregnant and her partner had lost his job, you couldn't blame her if she sat in the corner and cried. But instead, she entered the whole family on who wants to be a millionaire. Crazy idea, eh? Not so crazy when you win 100 grand. But whether it's millionaire or putting your hat in a ring for a founder funding program, being proactive and having nothing to lose in your attitude is always better than feeling sorry for yourself. And you just, hey, never know your luck. To get the highlights of today's episode, head on over to addtocart.com.au and sign up for our free newsletter. Each Tuesday, we will send Monday's episode summary, links, and discount codes for you to go next level on. And if you're looking to explore your next e-commerce opportunity, come and visit us at eSuite. We're a dedicated e-commerce talent agency, connecting the best e-commerce talent with the fastest growing brands in Australia. Head on over to eSuiteTalent.com.au where you can download the free e-commerce salary guide and sign up to our weekly e-commerce job emails. Thanks for listening, and until next time, keep those customers adding to cart.